Star Wars 7 by 7 episode 1216. Today it is Flight of the Defender, the second half of the occupation, and it turns out maybe actually not really so much the second half of the occupation after all. I'll explain. Punch it, Chewie. Hi, this is Trisha Barr, author of Ultimate Star Wars and host of Fangirls Going Rogue, and you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey Rebel Rouser, welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod, and so here is the thing. It turns out that Unlike, say, Heroes of Mandalore, which just stayed on Mandalore, or In the Name of the Rebellion, which was all about what Sagrera would do in the name of the Rebellion, and what Sabine and Ezra would ultimately not do in the name of the Rebellion, the occupation that was episode 5 in the season, that was really a standalone episode because we're going to be spending a lot of time on Lothal, it turns out. Flight of the Defender is only the second of the episodes that we're going to get on Lothal, and it seems like we've got at least two and possibly three more to go through. And you kind of get that sense right from the start because they're not actually going to the TIE Defender factory that they have to blow up, right? They're actually going to some facility out in the middle of nowhere, and there's snow on Lothal, which is rather surprising considering all the devastation that we saw in the last episode. But they are examining some Imperial base out in the middle of nowhere where there's supposed to be a test of the new TIE Defender, which we find out is the TIE Defender Elite. And this thing is the fastest fighter that they've ever seen. According to Sabine, the Ghost could give it a run for its money, but otherwise it's faster than anything else the Rebel fleet has to offer. Now they've got a recording of a flyby of the thing, and that's data enough in theory, at least according to this guy Ryder. But Sabine and Ezra are like, um, we need more, we can get more, we're here, we can sneak in, trust us, let's get the flight data recorder out of that thing, and it will have all of the specifications and capabilities of this machine. So, of course they're going to go do it, and of course it's not going to go quite according to plan. And a large part of that has to do with the fact that Grand Admiral Thrawn shows up out of nowhere with Governor Price also in his command shuttle, and I guess it shouldn't come as that big a surprise, because if they're working out this new TIE Defender Elite, of course he's going to want to check it out and see how well it's performing. So sneaking out with a flight data recorder, eh, not so much anymore. They're going to have to steal it, and that's the flight of the Defender that the episode title refers to, the fact that Ezra and Sabine steal this darn thing. Sabine basically says, up. Oh, I can't get out of here, but I can shoot this place up and tear some ships apart and do some serious damage, at least in the process. Now, Thrawn actually stands his ground and shoots his blaster at the TIE Defender as Sabine is piloting it on a strafing run that will de that will destroy his shuttle. That seems like the silliest tactical maneuver I've ever seen Thrawn do. Why would he bother firing his blaster at this thing when he knows it's not going to do a single bit of damage. I mean, yeah, maybe standing there like a boss is certainly intimidating to some degree, but why fire the blaster? There's no point. But he does, and the show has so much energy and speed at that point that you just kind of blink and go, okay, yeah, whatever, never mind. There's a kill switch on the ship, and Thrawn says, no, let's not activate it yet. Let's have our combat test now. 
And so three pilots of TIE Interceptors get into their ships and take off to try and shoot the TIE Defender down. Ezra ends up piloting the thing while Sabine is trying to um, deactivate the transponder so they can't be tracked. And Ezra is able to shoot down all three ships, all three TIE Interceptors that come after them. Now, of course, Thrawn has worked out that Ezra must be behind the controls because if it had been Hera behind the controls, the TIE Interceptors would have been shot down a heck of a lot faster. And so Thrawn's pretty pleased because if a pilot of only moderate skill like Ezra can shoot down three TIE Interceptors while flying this Defender, then the TIE Defender is a pretty darn good thing, the TIE Defender Elite specifically. It has the ability to turn good pilots into great ones. But Sabine figures out while this evaluation is happening that there's a kill switch on the ship and he tells Ezra, get the ship down, put it down, put it down, but not soon enough because the disabling of the ship, the kill switch, is basically the same thing. If you had a TIE fighter when you were a kid, uh, the toy, and you remember the button that you would press to make the wings pop off, well, that's basically what the kill switch does. It pops off two of the wings and they aren't quite low enough but they manage to crash land safely but now they're on foot and there are imperial patrols after them securing the crash site and trying to capture them they figure out that they can take the hyperdrive off the thing and possibly install it on Ryder's u-wing which doesn't have a working hyperdrive so they stash that in a little alcove someplace and as they're trying to figure out how they're going to get out of there the Lothwolves that we've seen in the trailer for Season 4 of Rebels finally make their appearance. And according to Ezra, they have not been seen in something like a 100 years, but he thought he saw one while he was at the Imperial base, and then it wasn't there, and then he thought he saw one again while they were hiding from the Empire, and then suddenly one walks right up on the back of Sabine and breathes the word sleep, like just goes sleep. And the breath of the wolf hits Sabine and she goes out like a light. And it seems that the Loth cats have a connection to the Loth wolf as well because one of them is sitting on top of the Loth wolf's head and you know the cats actually like Ezra and oh they are wicked cute. So they may have somehow helped to summon the Loth wolf. It's hard to say at this point but the wolf can run like the Dickens and so... Ezra and Sabine saddle up, or at least Ezra helps a sleeping Sabine saddle up, and they take the flight data recorder and run, run, run. The Loth Wolf takes them across the Lothal landscape, dodging the searchlights for the Imperial patrol ships. And in the morning arrives just at the outskirts of Ryder's base in the middle of nowhere on Lothal. Now, before everybody else, like Kanan and Hera and Ryder and Jaikel and Chopper can get to Ezra and Sabine, uh, and Zeb, of course, uh, can get to Sabine and Ezra and find out what happened and how they got to this rebel headquarters so fast, Ezra asks the wolf why he helped. Like, you know, why did you do it? And the wolf breathes one word, which sounds like doom, D-O-O-M, when you hear it initially, but... As I was looking through Wikipedia and checking out the listings there, I saw Dune, D-U-N-E, as the initial translation of it. But it turns out that according to the closed captioning in there, the word is actually Doom, D-U-M-E. And that is a rather fascinating development because 
If you'll recall, if you have been watching Rebels for a long time, or if you checked out the novel A New Dawn or the Came in the Last Padawan comic book series, or if you just listened to this podcast for a while, you will know that Kanan Jarrus is not Kanan's actual name. His birth name is Caleb Doom, and that's D-U-M-E, and that's not a coincidence, right? It's just too strange and specific to be a coincidence. So aside from being just crazy mythical beings of some kind, at least on first blush, they now seem to be deeply force-connected in some way. I mean, I think that's the only way to answer that possibility. Like, why would they come up with Kanan's original birth last name? Like, there's no way unless there is some very specific force stuff with them. And according to Dave Filoni in the Rebels Recon episode, he says that there's a long play here, that there's going to be a lot of mystical stuff that's going to potentially get unpacked over the course of the rest of the season. And he sees them as a nature of the force. And uh, yeah, this is going to be something that plays out across multiple episodes because they have already been seen in previews for the next episode and i'm going to talk about that in a moment stay tuned hey rebel rouser the last jedi is coming out in theaters in december and so it's time for you to brush up on your knowledge of the force awakens luckily i've got the thing for you it's the unofficial star wars the force awakens trivia book it's available on amazon right now just go to sw7x7.com tfa to get right there and inside you'll find more than 501 galaxy spanning questions and answers about the force awakens again it's the unofficial star wars the force awakens trivia book sw7x7.com slash tfa welcome back all right, so we know already from previews released from Kindred and Crawler Commanders, which are episodes 7 and 8 for Rebels Season 4, that we are going to see the Lothwolves again. And according to Zeb, this is very strange, and when things get strange for them, it's a very good thing. So they're going to be trapped and having to follow Lothwolves to safety. And we also know that episode 7 of Season 4, Kindred by name, is going to be the debut episode for Rook, the character played by Warwick Davis finally joining the cast of Star Wars Rebels and I guess if he's going to be in cartoons his characters have to start with the letter R from now on we're setting a precedent here anyway Rook is from the old legends Timothy Zahn stories and he is Thrawn's personal assassin so now he is getting involved with the tracking and hunting of the rebels on Luthal. So the stakes on Luthal are just getting higher and higher. And I guess, like Ezra said, he said he's there to stay. And it seems like he's going to be staying for at least a few more episodes. But really? Is he there to stay for real? That is the big question. And we're not going to have too many more episodes before we go into the mid-season break. So it remains to be seen how that plays out. That, though, right there is going to do it for this episode, which is the Rebels briefing on, oh gosh, did the name just fly out of my head? Yeah, it did. <laughs> Flight of the Defender. Flight of the Defender, Season 4, Episode 6 of Star Wars Rebels. And the best news of all is that we've got water and power back here at the studio in New Hampshire, and so... All is back to normal, and thankfully we only had to do one episode for you in the dark and on battery power. Still working on cell phone data plans for upload here, so, you know, you make do with what you have. 
and I'm going to keep on making it happen for you. So thank you again, as always, for listening. And may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you test out your new robot hand, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And we'll be able to do even more with the show for you with your support at Patreon.com SW7x7. It's not the Rebel Fleet, it's Destiny Unleashed. is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2017, Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.